District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to another installment of District of Conservation. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast aims to give you a sober look into public policy relating to conservation, energy, and environment. This episode will give you a recap of my trip to Michigan. I will talk about the 76-page Reggie plan from Governor Glenn Youngkin and his plan to withdraw Virginia from the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, and a surprising update from FERC to abandon its rule changes plans relating to greenhouse gas emissions on natural gas pipelines and LNG terminals. Thanks for tuning in. Let me know what you think. I had a phenomenal time visiting and speaking in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I ventured to Michigan Tech University, which is a small university, public university, situated in the Keweenaw Peninsula in Houghton, Michigan. It's pretty north. There's a lot of snow. I saw, I think, more snow than I think I'm comfortable with, but it was kind of a nice change of scenery. Here in Virginia, we just had peak bloom cherry blossoms, which I didn't get to see because I was not feeling good to go wake up early and see them this past weekend, but my friends got to see them and they looked beautiful. I had a cherry blossom bush blooming and we had some weather that kind of ended peak bloom a little sooner than I'd like, but it was a nice change of scenery to go to Michigan and it was really worth it to speak at Michigan Tech University. As you know, I've been talking across the country about the topic conservation is conservative. I think a lot of people have start to catch on with it. It's really catchy. It's an alliteration. And I'm trying to make the argument from a political angle, marrying two of my interest areas, political conservatism and conservation, to kind of show that those two thoughts can be married. And I try to articulate three main points and offer information and evidence to back up what I purport to claim and what I claim. And I try to engage with the audience throughout the talk. So I have Q&A, in addition to my lecture. And this event was probably the biggest campus audience I've ever had. I had 110 people in attendance, largely students and a lot of community members who were, I guess, very thirsty for hearing from people from the outside. And I really appreciated all the comments and the questions that were fielded my way. I loved answering as many questions as I could. There were some interesting questions, which I don't have to discuss, but there were some great thoughts I learned a lot about what's happening in Michigan. They were talking about a big wind project that has drawn the ire of a lot of locals, both on the right and the left, and how they don't want to see this big wind project constructed because of how it'll disrupt the landscape and kind of dissuade people from coming to the region. So that was interesting to learn about. I learned about Isle Royal National Park and the wolves. This was an aside from my lecture, but I learned about a lot of interesting things happening in Michigan too, in addition to my delivering of a lecture. And I want to thank the two advisors, Lynn Artman and Yarek Drilik, the two professors who have been very instrumental in helping this group take off. This was a Young Americans for Freedom chapter that I was involved in, this organization more so when I was a college student about a decade ago or so. So I was a YAF student, so it was nice to speak to another YAF group. And they were really motivated. They were really young too. They were like freshmen and sophomores who were very, very interested in the political process. They've done trainings. They're very eager to bring speakers to campus. And to be the first official group speaker 
in their infancy as an organization was a huge honor, and I hope I delivered for them. If you want to take a look at my speech, it's available on my YouTube channel for you guys to review. I hope you check it out. I follow a same template anytime I deliver a lecture, but I try to divvy it up, and I try to change it up a bit with my presentation because I don't want to be stuffy. I don't want to re rehash the same rhetoric all the time, and I try to make it more unique with each opportunity that I speak. Michigan Tech isn't the only stop left. I have a few more stops on my tour. I will be going to the Columbus, Ohio area to talk about Second Amendment related issues and what the future looks like. Since I first delivered that talk, more states have passed constitutional carry, and we still have a Supreme Court case on the horizon to decide whether or not Americans can carry concealed outside of their home because that's still an outstanding question, although a lot of us believe and know that that is an inherent right. But the Supreme Court is finally going to decide whether or not that is true that we can carry safely and legally outside of our homes. So we'll talk about that. I'm also going to Boston University to talk to a libertarian organization there about environmentalism, a little departure from the conservationist conservative speech, but on the same vein. And then I'm going to be delivering another conservationist conservative talk to kind of round out my campus tour before I do some public speaking at different conferences across the country on related issues. But it'll be at George Mason University here in the Fairfax County region. And if you're local to Fairfax County and you want to support me, especially my friends listening, I hope you guys can attend. That'll be a fun lecture. Great way to end the campus tour. But that was kind of my read into what happened in Michigan. I have a Substack newsletter about everything that I did that I was able to absorb and enjoy. And I really was treated so well and, and taken care of. I've never had that happen to me in a speech of a grand tour of the region, going here, going there. So I was very honored that I could be a recipient of that. I had a great time and I hope to go there again in the summer, maybe to film about mining there, maybe to appreciate and try some of the fishing and mushroom hunting. But I really liked the region. Great group of people, great organization. I had a great time. I loved meeting the people there and they have a good thing going. So if you are interested, check out the Michigan Tech speech. Let me know what you think. Let's talk about the newly released Reggie response from Governor Glenn Youngkin. I won't bore you guys with all the different information. It's a lot of information overload, but I want you to understand from this report, obviously the governor's eagerness to withdraw Virginia from the regional greenhouse gas initiative. It's the 11th member to have joined. Pennsylvania was also another member that recently joined, although even their lawmakers who lean more left politically actually expressed reservations with joining Reggie. I don't know if they have buyer's remorse yet, but a lot of Virginians do. And I think the governor stemming from his executive order nine signed on January 15th, one of his very first directives, he asked the Department of Environmental Quality, which is part of our Department of Natural Resources here in Virginia. We have a lot of secondary agencies that fall under the Natural Resources Department, and DEQ is one of them, if you weren't aware. So the report asks the secretary to look into this, to provide the governor a full report of the costs and benefits of participation in Reggie, to develop a proposed emergency regulation for the State Air Pollution Control Board's consideration to repeal part of it, and also to inform the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, Inc., the umbrella organization of the review, and the governor's intent to withdraw from Reggie, whether by legislative or regulatory action. And then this report, which is 78 pages, 
Most of the report is a lot of footnotes. There's only maybe like 20, 30 pages of actual report and analysis about what would it entail to withdraw, why they want to withdraw. In 2020, when there was Governor Ralph Northam, Virginia formally adopted the CO2 budget trading program for the power sector to implement a carbon emissions trading and reduction program as authorized by the Clean Energy and Community Flood Preparedness Act. The rule allowed for full participation in the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative to reduce carbon dioxide emissions and make emission allowances available for sale through an auction program that power producers use for compliance methods. Proceeds from allowance sales are returned to Virginia to fund climate mitigation and resilience programs. Adoption of the rule was the result of a three-year process that produced a program based on a consignment auction approach, then transitioned into a full auction program authorized by the General Assembly in 2020. Virginia began full reggie participation in January 1, 2021, and participated in five quarterly auctions to date. In January of this year, January 15th, Governor Youngkin issued Executive Order 9, to reevaluate Virginia's participation in Reggie and immediately begin the regulatory process to end its participation. The reevaluation is based on new information that points to higher costs for residential and industrial ratepayers due to participation in the program and that it, the benefits of Reggie participation have not been realized. Most of this cost increase information came from the state's largest regulated utility, Dominion Energy, in rate increase filings before the State Corporation Commission, SCC to recover the cost of compliance with the carbon trading rule that includes the cost of purchasing emission allowances to cover CO2 emissions. And they say their review of the data in the report provides the following high-level conclusions regarding Reggie. Because of the captive nature of their ratepayers, the ability for power generators to fully pass on cost to consumers, and the fact that the Code of Virginia dedicates Reggie proceeds to grant programs, participation in Reggie is in effect a direct carbon tax on all households and businesses. A second conclusion they reached, Reggie fails to achieve its goal of a carbon cap-and-trade system because it lacks any incentive from power generators to actually reduce carbon-intensive gas emissions. And third, carbon emission rates have been reduced in Virginia by over 50% in the last 10 years prior to Virginia entering Reggie on January 1st, 2021. And they list a whole summary of findings. They say that Reggie participation operates as a direct tax on households and businesses because all fees paid to the Reggie board are passed through to utility captive rate payers. Consumers are unable to avoid the pass through of these costs because they do not have the opportunity to switch electric providers. Dominion and other providers are monopolies in most of Virginia. Imposition of a Reggie carbon tax fails to offer any incentive to change behavior. Current law allows power generators like Dominion to pass on all their costs, essentially bearing no cost for the carbon credits. Other states returned the Reggie proceeds to consumers through rebates, while Virginia opted to use proceeds for separate and unrelated grant programs, resulting in an effective tax increase on all ratepayers. I actually did not know that. The original Reggie approach, prior to enactment, was designed to return the proceeds to ratepayers in order to offset the cost of the program to the consumer, but this was not how Virginia implemented the program. The cost of compliance with the trading rule and participation in Reggie have materialized in higher electricity rates as identified in the filings before the SCC by Dominion. Electricity generation has increased while CO2 per megawatts has almost been cut in half in Virginia over the last 10 years. Reggie is a bad construct that taxes consumers without providing incentives for change to electricity producers. And if you'd like to read what this is for yourself about the auction, how much this will increase 
ratepayers' bills for paying into electricity costs under Dominion. You can read through the whole report. Like I said, about 20 to 30 pages of it is a cost analysis, cost-benefit analysis of Reggie and our short but interesting involvement in it thus far. If you guys didn't know, if Reggie goes into full implementation by September 1st of this year, however, the rate at which we will pay more in electricity fees will go up to an additional $52.44 a year if Virginia doesn't withdraw. So it's going to add more to all of our energy bills here in Virginia. And you guys have probably noticed because of inflation and just everything going on in the world and in the country in particular, that electricity bills, much like everything else, is skyrocketing. In Virginia, we have started to see a swift increase in electricity bills especially coming out of winter. They always like to raise rates. And Dominion has been trying to steadily increase and has been steadily increasing the rates that we pay every month. So it's not surprising that if this were to proceed, we'd pay, of course, more in that. And I want to defer you back to my op-ed on this that I published in the Virginian pilot. And there's a version of it outside of the paywall that you can access through Senator Mark Obenshane's website, which I'll link to in the show notes. I'd also mentioned that the... Total reductions through Reggie was very minuscule prior to Virginia's invitation to join and membership in Reggie. Overall, according to the Congressional Research Service, that the nine partner states in 2019 accounted for only 7% of CO2 emissions and 16% of U.S. gross domestic product, and they called carbon emissions reductions arguably negligible at best. They only accounted for 1.4% percent in total U.S. emissions reductions. And they even say in this report that the reduction is largely attributable to the transition from coal to natural gas in Virginia. It's also a carbon tax. If you guys don't know, they say that this is going to be a program that encourages producers to move away from carbon intensive goods, promising that this won't affect consumers. And like the report said, this actually, the costs do get passed down to consumers, like any tax. People in very impoverished regions of Virginia, coal country, southwestern Virginia, where it's not as affluent, they're going to see their energy bills skyrocket. Unsurprisingly, that's what these type of programs do. All well have no impact on emissions reductions. Unsurprising. The Tax Foundation, who I cited in my piece, says that these taxes don't just simply affect producers. It also discourages consumers who purchase carbon-intensive goods because the cost will ultimately be passed down to them. And when prices of goods and services increase under a carbon tax, incomes reflexively diminish as well. I think Virginia would see diminished purchasing power because we already pay a premium on electricity and gas. You guys have seen the gas pump prices. Like we're close to $5 unleaded in some parts of Northern Virginia. So if you'd like to read the Reggie report and see it for yourself and not just take my word at it, it's important to read. I've scanned through it. You can see how much the costs are going to go up. You can see that it has a minimal impact and you can see why the governor has an interest to withdraw our state from this arrangement because of the cost that it'll pass down to consumers, how it'll actually draw away producers from Virginia and move their operations overseas. And as I concluded in my article, you can still promote clean energy. You can promote admissions reductions without having to participate in Reggie much like we don't need to be in the Paris Climate Accord. So I totally am on board with the governor doing this. I hope 
the General Assembly agrees too. Now that polling has come out to show that Virginia consumers are not too happy, Virginia ratepayers are not too happy with belonging to Reggie all across the board. So that's what we can expect, and hopefully this will be able to proceed very, very soon. Amazing what pushback to bad policies, especially bad energy policies, does. Government sometimes listens and reconsiders putting into effect new rules changes. And that is with respect to, and I'm referring to more specifically, to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. I talked about this briefly here on the podcast and a little bit on social media about FERC's decision to account for climate effects when it comes to new natural gas projects or LNG terminal construction. And they would have done it for how these projects affect climate change and environmental justice, according to PBS. Interestingly enough, they have a great explainer on this, that they will now only consider it as a draft and maybe it'll only apply to future projects. And this was because both Republicans and Democrats, namely Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, called it baffling. Also, Senator Joe Manchin, who is the Senate chairman of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee, he said the agency's decision was reckless in that it would add unnecessary roadblocks to the approval of natural gas projects that puts the security of the United States at risk. And the chairman, who is a Democrat appointee, said, I'm not going to do anything for political reasons in response to climate activists accusing them of bowing to political pressure. And this stems from a rule change that happened on February 17th of this year, where they approved a policy that would take into account greenhouse gas emissions on pending and future LNG terminal and natural gas pipeline projects. And it was approved on a three to two party line vote because these agencies, whenever there's one administration in place, they always put their appointees and vice versa. And because of the United States promising to supply liquid natural supply liquefied natural gas to Europe in wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Interesting timing for them to scale back on this. I wish it didn't take a horrible event for them to not consider this policy, but we'll give FERC credit where credit is due. This is the right thing to do. I hope they stick with it and they don't use this thing to, they don't use this measurement for consideration of new projects because that'll hamper the United States' ability to produce clean, cheap, natural gas that we can supply to friends and cut their reliance on Russia. So interesting development. You can learn more at PBS in the show notes for you guys, but interesting development, some positive news there. Will we see the administration abandon their climate centric agenda all across the board? I think it'll only take changes in polling for them to really scale back on any of the really really invasive policies that they've been putting into effect that explain why we're in such a dire situation right now. Let's hope some of the other bad policies that were put into effect can be repealed as well. Wishful thinking probably on my part because I'm quite cynical of this administration and their ability to have rational policy, but maybe public opinion will sway them. Who knows? But good on FERC for doing this because it's asinine to let other countries, especially adversaries, dominate LNG. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of District of Conservation. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you're following the podcast on your preferred player. We recommend Apple because that's where the largest share of our listenership hails from. You can also find us on Spotify and dozens of other platforms. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And please, please, please go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify. Those help us go a long way in seeing how far we can go and measure our progress. So we really appreciate that. If you enjoy this podcast, please share the word with your friends, share links to individual episodes and to the podcast. Want to appear on the podcast? Have an interesting story to tell? I'm all ears. Shoot me a message and we'll do our best to process your request.